Welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm your host and commish, the Denver Desert Dog. We're talking week 10 in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. I'm very excited. This is, I think, the best week we've seen in 2020 so far because the Masters started today. And Sunday, we will not only get a full day of football, pending any late COVID action, um, but we'll also get Sunday at the Masters, and it looks like Tiger may be in contention, so that's always entertaining. Joining me tonight, I'm sure, just as excited about this week, we have from Take Your Ball and Go Home, Shane Stein. Yeah, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, Still alive and kicking, and currently in the sixth seed. Um, Can't ask for much more over here at T-Bag, so we're, we're pretty excited to sell and still try to make a playoff push here. Yeah, you're still in the hunt. Big uh, big week this week to see if you can uh, hang with the team that should be in the playoffs. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Also joining us, and I think also excited about this week, is uh, from the Seawolves, Phil Bruce. Yeah, this is about as good as 2020 gets. <laughs> uh, these, these next few days, especially Sunday, <laughs> I saw, for those... Uh, those listeners at home, I, I saw on the FanDuel Sports app, or not, not FanDuel, DraftKings Sports app, they have like a free contest on Sunday where like it's from one o'clock on, it has like different bets you can make throughout the day. And it's like a series of 10 questions. It's like, so will so-and-so hit the fairway on six? Will, you know, the Steelers cover minus seven against the it just like goes in chronological order of when events happen on that Sunday. And needless to say, it's going to be an awesome Sunday, awesome next few days, great time to be working from home and able to stream the Masters for, for those that are able to do that. Uh, and not to mention a great slate for, for fantasy matchup. Yeah, I'm not working from home, but <clears throat> I have a cool boss who bought me a TV for my office, so I'm able to stream in the office too, so... Yeah, I, I had the Masters on all day, and I couldn't tell you anything that happened because I was just in Zoom meetings the whole time, so I couldn't even turn and watch it, unfortunately. Tomorrow will be better. <laughs> Tomorrow will be better, except for the fact we're about to encounter Friday the 13th in the year 2020. So, Friday the anything 13th goes. is scary to begin with, and then you throw in 2020 the possibilities are endless. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Shane, trivia. Yeah, well, you guys kind of set me up for a good segue here into trivia because I, I got two questions for you. And I guess we'll go with the first one. is little little off fantasy football, but it is Masters Week, one of our favorite weeks of the year. We had in November this year in the middle of football season. So I'm going to go with a little Masters-related trivia question for you guys. Step away from football for a second here. There have been 14 players that have won the Masters in this century, since the year of 2000. I'm looking for those 14 players. Tiger Woods. <laughs> Tiger Woods has won four Masters, yes. 2001, 2002, 2005. And last year, 2019. <clears throat> How about uh, Phil Mickelson? Phil Mickelson has won three. 2004, 2006, and 2010. How about crowd pleaser Patrick Reed? 
Patrick Reed born in 2018. Um, Sergio Garcia. Sergio Garcia won in 2017. Um, give me Trevor Emmelman. One of the tough ones. I was waiting for you guys to get 2008 Trevor Emmelman won. I remember watching that one in Krause Basement Cause. Yes, that was disappointing. Another disappointing Masters was the year Danny Willett won. Danny Willett won in 2016. That is correct. I'm, I'm just like imagining all these guys putting on the green jacket. Uh, Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson is the only other multiple-time winner in the, this century. Um, he won twice, 2012 and 2014. I don't know how much this guy costs, but I'll say ZJ. ZJ is on here. He won it in 2007. <laughs> if you got to ask, you can't afford it. <laughs> so we got six more that we need. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven. I have, I have eight on my list here. Tiger, Phil, know. Reed, Sergio, Immelman, Willett, Watson, and ZJ. Oh, I forgot to cross off Immelman. You're right. <clears throat> it's funny. I'm just imagining some of these names, and these are the guys that I like completely melted down on Sunday. <laughs> Um, oh, um, I think Angel Cabrera won one in there, didn't he? He did. He won in 2009. Um, this may be bad guess, but Vijay Singh? Vijay Singh won in 2000, so yep, he was the first guy on this list. Wow. Lucky. <clears throat> oh god, I want to I want to say this name, but I think it's dead wrong. Um, I swear I remember him doing this. Give me David Duvall. David Duvall did not win. I will take Adam Scott for the win. Adam Scott won in a playoff in 2013. I remember betting on it with you, Phil, live. <laughs> I make a lot of live bets. Yeah, you told us you told me to take Adam Scott live. We hooked it up in 2013. Want some cash? Cause for the win here in the Masters. There are still three names out here. One of them caused his favorite golfer, and he did not name him, and he still won. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth won in 2015 at 18-under. We just talked about that earlier. Yeah, we See, did. I remember his his round where he melted down <laughs> on Sunday. I didn't remember the win. <laughs> I, I also remember, who, who won the year Snedeker dumped a few in the water? I believe that. Is this the year that we're missing one? Yeah. Um, um, that, I can't I, picture I think who it's, it was. I think it's Charles Schwartzel. That is correct. 2011, no, Charles Schwartzel won. And There's only one name left. I think it's a tough one, right? It is a tough one. Okay, I think I think this was in the 2000s. I'm going to say Mike Weir. It was Mike Weir in 2003. Oh, that was a good one. 
three. The guys did a nice job there. So, yep, there's some some Masters history there on Masters week. Um, and now we'll get back to football. And this this question was too good for me to pass up. I'm, I I kind of want to start going in a different direction at some point, but I, I like this one after checking the history a little bit. There have been ten players that have led either the Titans or the Colts in rushing in the decade of the 2010s. Just so you're aware, Phil, as a precursor to this question, Marshall Falk last played for the Colts in 1998, where he led him. So he has not an answer on this question. But there are 10 players that have led these franchises in rushing for a season in the 2010s. Can you name them? Give me... Joseph Adai. <laughs> Joseph Adai last led the Colts in 2009. He did it. <laughs> 2006 through 2009 was the leading rusher. So he is not on the list. So cause right. for the win. <laughs> uh, so I think he was, a, he was a first round pick in 2010 and got injured. I'll take, uh, I'll take Derrick Henry. <laughs> Derrick Henry is on the list, shockingly. Uh, 2017, 18, and 19, a leading rusher for the Titans. Give me Trent Richardson. T-Bitch <laughs> is on the list. 2014, led the Colts. Uh, CJ2K. CJ2K led the Titans from 2008 to He did play on the Colts. show out here and I'll say the running back before Derrick Henry was DeMarco Murray it was That's 2016 right. DeMarco Murray led the Titans you love pulling that guy's name my god some tough names here <clears throat> two, two not so tough for the Colts um, well Marlon Mack Marlon Mack was last year Marlon Mack led him in 18 and 19 for the Colts so he is on the list um, Phil, Phil, you should have went with your gut because is it Gore? Yeah, Frank Gore led the Colts in 2015, 16, and 17. That, that was right. Which, Thank remarkably, God. if you remember from last week, led the Niners from 05 to 14, and then went three years with the Colts. So, 13 straight years for Gore leading a team in rushing. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I think in the year 2014, Bishop Sankey led the Titans in rushing. Always a reason for the question. That was kind of why I, <laughs> kind of why, I, why I went with this one and stuck with it. The Bishop once almost ruined a Keeper. fantasy league. 
Receiver. <laughs> Led the Titans in 2014. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when that guy was highly sought after? Yes. That, that, he was never highly sought after. I, I, <laughs> just, just by one owner. Yeah, I, yeah, I did some. What was that trade again? Remind me. I can't even remember. I no. Right for the next two years, no. and then trade back. No, 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 no. No, the last year of the league, I made a last ditch effort and traded for Colin Kaepernick and Bishop Sankey, and gave up gave up good players for those guys, and uh, then decided to just completely implode and. Yeah, it was bad. Not not my proudest moment. It's a part of our league history that we you know we just don't really talk about because <laughs> all, all, all we focus is on on the positives, and we are reminded every podcast about the the dogs run and the good few years that they had, but people forget about fish. Well, that was that was <laughs> we was wouldn't have this league. Stuff. Yeah, we wouldn't have this I, I, league I, without I, that. I know, I know. So thank you for thank you for doing that. So, so we can get on with the show. I'll give you yeah. the rest no, of the No, hold on, hold on. Uh, UConn's finest Donald Brown is on this list. Donald Brown is on the list. I remember him catching an 80-yard screen pass in a, in a big uh, big Phil versus Stein matchup. I, I, I thought it was like an 80-yard just handoff run. I think it was, I believe it was a screen pass. Either way, it was like an 80-yard <laughs> touchdown. 2010-2011-2013 led him for three years for the Colts. What was that? What year, what years and teams are we missing? You're missing 2012 for the Colts and 2015 for the Titans. Two tough names, real tough. 20, 2012 for the Colts. I'm going to take a stab at Dominique Rhodes. It was not Dominic Rhodes. He last led them in 2001, but he was on the squad for a long time. <laughs> so I think he actually did play. I think he might have actually played. 2012 was that? That was the Kerry Collins year, wasn't it? Well, 2012. Yeah. That's so luck. That, that, was, that was where they purposely tanked for luck. That's Curtis Painter, yeah. Curtis Painter, yeah. Uh, yeah, wait. I thought it was both of those guys, no? It could have been. Um, maybe I'm wrong. They're like the same football player at that point in their career. Uh, who was the running back on that team? It's, these are some tough names, guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm, the Colts guy, you could probably remember. The Titans guy, I didn't remember at all. I'm, I'm out. I'm good. I'm out. I'm out. So 2015 Titans was Antonio Andrews. Um, no, never, never there, heard of him. But Colts in 2012, Vic Ballard. Oh yeah, was the was the running back that led them that year. So tough name there. Yeah, I've never heard of Antonio Andrews, so I don't. Yeah, I didn't didn't I remember him. Think he's a real football oh, player. Oh, King. All right. Um, I don't think there's much to talk about on the waiver wire. Um, I'd rather spend some more time talking about the matchups if you guys are good with that. Yeah, not a whole lot of a huge action on the wire. I thought uh, I thought it was a sneaky good pickup. I think it was mixed Mad Dogs that picked up uh, Duke Johnson for this week. Yeah. Um, Figured Pop Pop guys only had two bucks, so I think he put a two dollar bid in for him. So I think he was, he was ahead of him on the wire. So I'm guessing Pop Cos probably put his two last two dollars trying to hopefully get him, but I don't know. Um, thought that was a sneaky good buy for a one week plug in here, where he should get three downs of work. But other than that, there, there wasn't a whole lot out there. Yeah, that was a good ad by the Mad Dogs. It's a 
a big week for them. Um, with a win, they can really put a stranglehold on the um, Favre division. So definitely a good add for him there. Um, I think he was really the only player worth talking about um, in a big way for the waiver wire. Nice to see Benny Snell make an appearance back in, in his proper home. I will be grabbing him in short order. <laughs> all right. I said we. I said I'd grab him week five. It ended up being week nine, but that, that's all right. All right. Let's get into the week ten matchups. Uh, we'll start off with Abusement Park. Congrats on the dub. They're sitting at one and eight. Um. I predicted a no in 13 season, but the 2020 stink of team ice cream is the only thing that could stop that 0-13 train from rolling. And they pick up their first dub of the year, so congrats to Sure, you're off the schneid. So going up against the Fleetwood franchise, uh, coming off a tough loss for them last week. We'll start off with the park. He's got a pair of Broncos receivers uh, as potential keepers next year. I think this is an easy question, but who do you guys like better next year, Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy? I like Judy. Um, I've continued to say I think he's a really good football player. I loved him at Alabama. I think he's really good, and I I think we talked about it last week how we're going to see some nice things from him in the second half here. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Judy over Sutton going forward. I, I like Judy, but it's pretty close. Uh, and what's great is you'll, you'll be able to see over the next few weeks if if Judy's trending in the right direction as a potential keeper. But that, that, that being said, I'm not sure I'm really in love with either. Yeah, I think Chubb and Barkley is probably the player. We'll see how Chubb finishes the season. And uh, it's going to be hard to avoid Barkley at 15 even if he maybe isn't healthy to start the year. Um, the answer to this question, I think, is Jerry Judy. I did see a tweet. I think it might have been Schefter retweeted. Um, a rival executive said that from watching Broncos tape, Jerry Judy is a top five route runner in the league right now, and he's open just about every single play. Um, and he had, a, he, he had a huge week last week against the Falcons. Um, I think, Phil, you might have had him in FanDuel. I know I did. I, I had him in the, the Fandle prop That's over right. on yardage. Yeah. Yeah. In which he crushed. Yeah, he did really well, and he gets a good matchup against the Raiders. And I think he practiced in full, so I'm um, expecting another good game from Jerry Judy for Abuseman Park this week. Uh, definitely could be a player that the Mad Dogs miss coming down the stretch. It'll be interesting to see uh, what Judy does compared to Fulgham. Uh, from the time that trade was made, and if it was a good trade or a bad trade in that sense. Uh, going over to the Fleetwood franchise, my question centers around another Bronco for them. Who would you play at tight end this week if you were Ty in the Fleetwood franchise? You get Noah Fant coming off an ankle injury against the Raiders, or Dallas Goddard at the New York Giants? That's <clears throat> uh, a tough one. Kind of a toss up, but I think I think I would actually lean Goddard, even though he hasn't been healthy yet. We haven't seen him, but I, th- I think uh, just being I think he's back to, to full health now, 
and I, I think he's going to start picking up a big part of that offense. So I think I would lean Goddard, but it's close. Uh, I'm going to go Noah Fan. Um, he was a full participant in practice today. I think he's a, a, a pretty good player, uh, and I just like his upside. Well, in the tight end position, I'm, I'm looking more for for upside, and I, I think he just has a little bit more than Godert. Well, I looking closer at this, I think the answer is both. Um, I like Noah oh. Fan. Reason for every question. <laughs> Noah Fan Albert O's on IR, so he's the main tight end. Uh, he should get all the targets um, in a game where I think there's going to be some points in this Denver Raiders game. And then I expect Goddard to you know get five or six targets in the Giants game. And one thing I learned last week in Week Nine is that Marquise Brown is not a soldier. Um, so I think I would take him out of the lineup because I'm pretty sure Baltimore is going to be able to run about 50 times on Monday night and or Sunday night, I'm sorry, and still win by 24 points. So um, I think this, this uh, New England-Baltimore game is very similar to the 49ers-Patriots uh, game where they just pound it and they gash them and... Um, a lot of rushing yards and touchdowns for Baltimore. I don't think there will be a need for Marquise Brown to even suit up on Sunday night. I'm on the same page there, buddy. <clears throat> Thank you. All right, who wins this game between Sure and Ty? This one is closer than the experts think. I like Abusement <laughs> Park to put up another solid week. I like Allen Robinson to have a big week. I think that he scores at least once and goes over 100 yards. Um, I like Jackson to, to have a solid week against New England like you just spoke about. I'll take the franchise in a nail-biter, but I'm not sold. Keep an eye on that Bengals-Steelers game. That's got Upset City written <laughs> all over it. Led by the Burrow-Green connection. Yep. Give me the park two in a row. <laughs> when did you become the guy who's trying to sell like Vegas bets? <laughs> like, <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. Yeah, you turned into you used to be the Skip Bayless of this podcast, and now you are the Lee Corso delirious. There's no controversy to talk about. I can't. I can't take a <laughs> controversial side on a topic. Delirious, yelling out random things. Not so fast. <laughs> I'm waiting for a mascot to appear on the Zoom here. Um, franchise projected to win 95 to 81 right now. I say the website and app are correct, and I'll take the franchise. All right. Um, we're going to talk about this game in the second spot, but it was a close runner up for game of the week. St. Louis Patriots against Take Your Ball and Go Home. Uh, some major anxiety on the St. Louis Patriots side heading into this week. <laughs> He's got a couple guys uh, out on by, Kelsey and Julio. David Johnson looks like he won't play. Seattle backfield, murky. Um, I think he's clearly the better team in this one. But for whatever reason, Stein has owned him. Um, and it's, I think, this game's going to be a lot closer than we think. We'll get to that at the end. Let's start off with take your ball and go home. 
The last time Aaron Jones suited up for Take Your Ball and Go Home, I shouldn't say it was, it might have been the last time. Uh, last time he stood up for Take Your Ball and Go Home against the St. Louis Patriots, pretty sure he went for almost 50 points. Um, so my question is, Aaron Jones over under one and a half touchdowns this week against Jacksonville. Over. He's getting in twice. Um, big week for Aaron Jones this week. I'm going to need it um, to keep this one close to have a chance. So he's really my only outstanding player. Um, I need to hit on him, and I'm going to hit on, hit on my quarterback spot big. So, But I think uh, – Clearly, you can't ask for a much better better spot here. Jones against the Jaguars. Um, should be able to get in the end zone twice. I like Jones to go over 20 points this week. Have you guys seen this? He, he's missed three games through nine weeks. So, so he's, or excuse me, he's missed two, and he had a bye week. So three total games he's missing against some of his competitors, and he is still a top-tier RB1 at RB7 overall. It, 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 it's, it's crazy. And this matchup against Jacksonville, <coughs> oh, man, you want to talk about juicy and served up? This is it. Jones, big this week. I'm taking the over on whatever whatever the line was. It, 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 it's over, and, and this one's going to be a heartbreaker. So I have a question for what you just said. I agree, over one and a half touchdowns. You said top-tier running back one, and then you said he was running back seven overall. So how much is that top tier? That should should be six, then. When I I hear top tier, I mean top half. Okay, all right. I agree Um, he's a top tier running back. I still think think that's pretty good. It is. Um, I'd take him on my team. (laughs) Uh, Bonus question. Aaron Jones over under 125 total yards this week. Um, I think I'll go under on that one, actually. Give me just just under. I'll say it's closer to like one ten. I, I think he gets there, but it's going to be combined, so you're not going to get the bonus point. I'll take him over 125 total yards. I think the fact that he's, he's only done it once this year. So yeah, the fact that he was playing though in the fourth quarter last week in a blowout leads me to believe there's no issues with his health, but there's a lot of uh, murkiness surrounding the rest of that running back room. So, I like Aaron Jones big this week. Get him in your FanDuel lineup. Question for the Patriots. Since I cut Curtis Samuel off of my team, he's had three straight double-digit games, and I'm asking you guys, does he make it four this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Sure does. Um, C-Mac not going to play. Touches should be there for him. Um, like him to, to continue his double-digit touching performance from last week. So I think uh, Samuel gets just into double digits right around the 11-12 point mark. I, I, I do think Tampa is going to roll the Panthers on Sunday, but Samuel is still going to stay a focal point of this offense much too or much to my chagrin as a, as a DJ Moore owner. Um, for, for whatever reason, Samuel's getting featured, uh, and I think it's going to continue. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to think that he won't continue to score double digits in fantasy points. Uh, the touches are good. They're finding creative ways to get him the football. I think his catch rate's almost like at 
Um, so him and Teddy clearly have something going on, and he's kind of surpassed DJ Moore along with Robbie Anderson as a focal point in this offense. Uh, one thing that we've seen the last two years in the Carolina-Tampa Bay matchups, uh, Carolina does not run the ball well against Tampa Bay. So I think they'll have to find a way uh, to do some short passes and make it work out um, in that sense. Yeah, they're really the only team that's been able to slow down McCaffrey pretty much in the last the last <laughs> two years. So um, they, they clearly stuffed the run pretty well against Carolina, but I, I think Samuel touches the ball enough, gets enough receptions um, that he's going to get in double digits. Yeah. Uh, McCaffrey did have two touchdowns against them in week two, uh, despite not rushing for a bunch. But yeah, it, it's been a struggle for McCaffrey against that uh, linebacking group of uh, Devin White and who's the other guy? Levante David. Levante David. Yeah. All right. Who's question for you guys? Which one's higher? Curtis Samuel points this week or the amount of subscribers to our podcast? <laughs> Because I think we are in the double digits. Samuel points. Um, who wins this game? Take your ball and go home versus the Patriots. I'll take the Pats, but it's going to be tight. <clears throat> go ahead, Phil. I think what you said earlier is, is a pretty good summary. The Pats are by far the better team. But I'm, I'm looking down this. I don't feel great about Drake against Buffalo. Carson, I don't, I don't know what we're going to get. Juju, you don't know what you're going to there, There's just a lot of uncertainty here. Uh, but but I still think the, the Pats are a really good team, and I think they find a way to win this week. Yeah, so this is pretty much uh, our season. I mean, we're playing pretty much every week from here on out. It's our season. I mean, this is a big one for the Patriots, too. Um, don't really want to drop to 5-5. Five and five. A lot of key points here is going to be whether or not I hit on quarterback. I'm not sure who I'm going to go with, Mayfield or Lockett. It's going to be up in the air. Got to check some weather reports in Cleveland. Um, but going to need a huge week from Jones. Going to need Hilton to put up double digits this week. I had a feeling about him. Um, we'll see if that happens tonight. But I think Kyler Murray doesn't just enough to, out, to outdo Aaron Jones. So I'll take the Pats in a close and obviously low-scoring game because it's against my team. <laughs> yes, we didn't touch on the fact that Stein scored – Less than 240 points the last three weeks and is still 3-0 in those matchups. It's gross, but whatever Pokemon character you changed your logo to is working out with you. Um, <clears throat> J.K. Dobbins... I, I think, I, no, go ahead. No, J.K. Dobbins also keep an eye on him in this matchup. Um, there's poten- two touchdown potential there as well. But you did guarantee a T.Y. Hilton touchdown tonight, and that's not looking good so far. And I was just, yeah, there, there, there is not, not for Henry. I, I don't have a good feeling about it, but I think we got to just take a moment and talk about the the Cardinals. Uh, they have become absolute can't miss TV with the the speed that they play, the offense that they generate, the defense that they don't play. It, it is every week seems to be high scoring, plenty of drama, and Kyler Murray is awesome to watch. He he reminds me so much of watching Mike Vick that it is just awesome to watch those guys and at 4 o'clock on Sunday. I know this week they have a really heavy 4 o'clock slate, but I, I'm going to be watching that, that, that Cardinals game as much as I can. A gentleman once told me in week one of last year that 
bet the Lions big. Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury are a joke. Um, I know I've been told many times I live in the past on this podcast, but Phil, that was you. Um, and we'll see. I, Kyler's incredible. He's he's definitely a top five MVP candidate right now. Um, that team's still missing something, but I agree they're they're must watch TV. Uh, don't confuse much must watch TV with a really good football team <clears throat> and a good head coach. My, I, I live my life by the rule of if you have an elite pro quarterback and you're a college coach, you should win more games than you lose. And if you can't win more games than you lose with Patrick Mahomes, I don't know how great of a coach you are, and I stand by that. Nothing, Dad, Shane. Fair enough. <laughs> I didn't know that you lived your life by that rule. That's, that's incredible that that's the one rule you live your life by. It's, it's in everything I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, Weevils, Weevils versus ice cream. Um, before we get into the questions I have, Papa Kaz has a question. He'd like to know why a 2-7 and seven team ice cream went out and picked up the top two receivers on the waiver wire this week when they already have five wide receivers on their team. So um, I'll let Spears answer that maybe in an email. But Darnell Mooney and Jacoby Myers added by Team Ice Cream this week. Um, <clears throat> so I think maybe Papa Kaz was targeting one of those guys and he didn't like the addition, but... That's a question from our viewers. So I know Phil appreciates any time the viewers get involved in the podcast. <clears throat> my question my question for the Weevils, this should be a fun one. Uh, Terry McLaurin, quietly on pace for a 100-catch, 1,300-yard campaign. What other receivers in year one or two in the league would you definitively take over Terry McLaurin? And we don't need the whole list, but if there's anyone that jumps out, I just thought it'd be a fun question because I mean, this guy I mean, is underrated. Just watching this game, I, I mean, I think I guess AJ Brown. Um, no, I think I would take him over over McLaren, but it's close. I mean, even then, I'm not I'm not sold <laughs> on that yet. I think Brown's a little better, but I mean, McLaren's doing this with without great quarterback play, um, which is pretty incredible. So maybe AJ, AJ Brown. Um, other than that, <laughs> well, you got to be pretty. You got to put DK Metcalf in there. Metcalf, uh, didn't think him. Yep. I, I, don't, I don't think I do. And, and Shane made the point, which I think makes it the correct answer that you got to look at what he's done with the pieces around him. Washington has been terrible in the two years, and they've gotten terrible quarterback play, and he has still looked. Really, really good. I, I think you put him in that Seattle offense, and he's more productive than DK is. And and, and same thing with putting him with Tannehill. I, I don't think I'd want anybody else over him. Well, I think the only names you can talk about really are DK, AJ Brown, and then from this year's class, it. I don't think you can definitively put any of them over him. But obviously, Judy and Lamb. And Justin Jefferson, I think, will be in the discussion at some point. Um, I, th- I think you might. I think we might end up throwing Higgins into that <clears> as well. Yeah, he looks really nice too. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. 
those those uh, seven guys are all really good, and the future of the position is strong. Um, to answer the question definitively, definitively, I think right now I'd have to take DK Metcalf just because he is a specimen unlike we've ever seen at the wide receiver position since Calvin Johnson. Um, but McCall- you just liked watching him make that tackle on, on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> I mean, how can you not like that? That was an, that was an incredible play. It's like one of the one of the greatest feats I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> that doesn't make you a great receiver. Other than Larry Fitzgerald almost hawking James Harrison in that Super Bowl, that was that was pretty cool too. Um, yeah, greatest Super Bowl play ever. Sure. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's our question for the Weevils. Ice cream, we got to talk about him. <clears throat> One of my um, banes of my existence. Will Jared Goff put up 20 fantasy points against the Seattle Seahawks defense this week? God, this guy stinks. <laughs> um, but Seattle, Seattle's pass defense is just so bad. So bad. So, I mean, you got to think that Goff throws at least two touchdowns here. Um, I guess the question comes down to how many picks will he throw because he's probably going to throw enough yardage to get get him over 20. Um, but I'll say yes, he gets over 20 points this week. Uh, I think he goes way over that. Uh, and I, I mentioned it before we started. I, I think they're going to roll Seattle this weekend, and he's going to have a huge game. I, I have him somewhere in my projections around 29, 30 points. I'll, I I will say yes right now, but I'll be able to definitively answer this question after the second series. The Rams have the ball. It, it doesn't take long to figure out if Goff's going to be good or bad. Um, what I'm most interested in this game is what the Rams will do offensively. We saw them run for like six yards a pop against the Dolphins and then decide they wanted to throw it 60 times in that game. So against a really bad pass defense, maybe they'll run the ball 45 times this weekend. Who knows? Um, it seems like, and I, and I think Sean McVay's a really good coach, and um, I like that he's the head coach of the team that I like, but he's a guy that wants to zig when he should zag, I think. Um, Beats to his own drop. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> we'll see. I'm not, I think he probably gets over 20 points, but I'm not expecting... Uh, much from golf never can. Who wins the Bull Weevils versus Team Ice Cream? Yeah, this one's a tight one for me. Um, I think I think I'm gonna go with the Weevils having just enough, but it's close. Yeah, this is a this is a tight one. And I, I, I like Goff. I like Kamara. Obviously, I like Kamara. Ronald Jones uh, against the Panthers and what I think is going to be a blowout. I Just give me the ice cream, and it's so close. I think I'll take the ice cream, too. I like the Bolivals team as a whole, but unfortunately this week, Zeke and Todd Gurley out on bye. It's tough when you can have two RB1s out on bye to win. Uh, Chase Edmonds and Malcolm Brown, I don't think get it done. And this team looks a lot different with those guys on the bench. 
So I'll take uh, I'll take ice cream, just because I think he has <clears throat> um, a deeper deeper starting lineup right now. All right, Denver Desert Dogs versus Team Fegley. We'll start off with Team Fegley. Is Robert Woods an elite play this week against the Seahawks, even with Jared Goff throwing the ball? So it kind of parlays into our previous question. Yeah, you got to like Woods this week. Um, like we already touched on, Seattle defense, not good. Um, got to figure Woods is, is a is a good candidate for, for that between 15 and 20 points with, with more upside. So, I, I mean, I guess it's fine. How do you... How do you define elite? Um, I'm going to temper my expectations because I don't know that Robert Woods is an elite player, but the matchup warrants me predicting at least 15 points from him. So whatever that pencils in for you. Yeah, I, I think that number is about right. Uh, I don't. I don't think it makes him an elite play. Um, to answer the question, I think a better question might have been. Can Woods and Cop outscore Metcalf and Lockett this week, which I think is is really really close. So, so he, he's a good play. It, it, it's not elite for me. The thing that makes Robert Woods not elite is the fact that he seems to never score touchdowns. I could very easily see a ten for one twenty game here from him, um, but he seems to not be the end zone target. It's either Cup or Reynolds or one of the tight ends. So that's what's going to hold him back from being um, an elite play this week, I would say. Does Darren Waller get the double-digit points this week for the Desert Dogs? Um, Waller's been interesting this year. I feel like he's been disappointing. Um, But then you also look up, and he's the number two tight end. He's on pace for 100 catches. So maybe I had some unrealistic expectations for my $1 tight end keeper that Phil likes to bring up every week. Um, but my question is, does he get the double digits against the Broncos? To answer the question, yes, I, I think he gets double digits this week. Broncos defense is, is pretty poor. Um, I expect to see some points in that game. I mean, and he has, he's been a little disappointing. I mean, yeah, he's tight end too. I think that has more to do with where we are in the tight end landscape, obviously Kittle's been out, um, and there, there hasn't been, I mean, Ertz has been out, there hasn't been a whole lot of, um, Andrews hasn't done anything in, in Baltimore really, so there's not much behind him as far to, to really push him in the, the tight end rankings, that's kind of why he's stuck there at number two, um, but I mean, he's still a top tier tight end play. And a, and a good bet to get to double digits, so I think he, he clearly gets there this week. Uh, I think he gets just under it. I, I have him slated in my projections for around eight and a half, nine points. I wish I could see these projections. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, um, I wish. I think he gets the double digits. There's He just gets so many targets. Um, and you saw him actually catch a touchdown last week too, which is something he doesn't do a lot either. Who wins uh, the game between the Desert Dogs and Team Fedley? Desert Dogs, and it's not close. Um, bad week for the clan with Mahomes and Hill out. Don't have a 
have enough behind. They're gonna they're gonna really need some good fortune here, but dogs by twenty plus. Yeah, this is uh, really unfortunate scheduling. Having those guys both on by against a top tier team. Give me the dogs. <clears throat> I'll take the dogs too. I think uh, that win last week was what we needed. We've been struggling the last couple of years. Had some unfortunate Falcons like collapses in the four o'clock games. And for some reason, we were able to pull that one out last week. And I feel like there's some good juju in Denver with the Desert Dogs right now. So, setting themselves up for a heartbreaking guys. Sorry to cut you off. Is this qualify as our next loser leaves town matchup? Two, four, and five squads? Or are the dogs still in at four and six? Um, it's I'm probably ready, a loser leaves town. I'm ready to stamp it. I'm ready to say loser leaves town. Yeah, probably a loser leaves town match. All right, we got 15 minutes for the last two games. Should be able to get through this one quickly. Flock versus Mad Dogs. Mad Dogs with 7.4 right now from Jonu Smith, who just scored on the uh, famous tight end around play. And then uh, Jonathan Taylor with 4.5 so far for the Colts and the Flock. We'll start off with the Mad Dogs. I love to get one of these questions in every week. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams over under 55 points this week against Jacksonville. Yeah, it's, it's under for me. Um, I think we already alluded to that we think Jones is going to get in the end zone a couple times. I mean, maybe it's through the air, but... I think they come back to earth a little bit, and I'll, I'll temper my expectations right around the 45-point mark for, for those two guys. I'm going to say over, just because only losers bet the under. And one of the Packers, like 14-point favorites this week. It, I, I think Jones does have a big game. It's going to be through the air. Uh, Rodgers will eat those points. Devontae Adams is going to feast. Give me the over. Well, Rodgers is going to throw three touchdowns. Two of them will be to Devontae Adams. So that's going to be 30 of the 55 right there. And like Phil said, we don't bet unders here. So I'll take the over as well. Yeah, you could have said any number there. Projected for 47.6 right now on the ESPN uh, projections. Let's move over to the flock. Stein alluded to this. Already, Mark Andrews has been disappointing this year. He's the tight end nine, and again, probably more, um, you know, tight end landscape. The fact that he's even the tight end nine because he has not been good. But is this a get right game for the Ravens' top pass catcher um, against a pretty poor New England defense? Uh, yeah, I think he gets one this week. I think he scores. Um, I don't know if that's me just owning him in the other league and, and wishing for him to get on track here, but he, he's been really disappointing and he's really turned into a, a touchdown dependent guy. I mean, he scored so many touchdowns. I, I don't know the number in front of me, how many he had last year, but I feel like it was close to double digits or, right, or somewhere in, in the double digit area. Um, he has five so far this year, but I mean, two of them have been multiple score games. So, I mean, he's had a lot of blanks and, I think he gets in this week, but that, that Ravens offense is, is not good. Um, and we've alluded to, to, to the poor quarterback play, so I don't know that 
it's a get-right game. I think they're going to be able to run the ball more effectively this week, but give me uh, Andrews to punch one in and get the double digits. I, I don't think the Ravens are, are, are getting enough credit, and I think their offense is good. It's a really good running attack. It, it's just Lamar Jackson's been so disappointing throwing it, and, and you see the result in, in what's become of, of, of Mark Andrews. I'm also not sure exactly how much the Patriots actually want to win these games uh, versus take on better draft positions. And, and you hear rumblings that this is or has the potential to be Belichick's last year and they want to hand the reins over to McDaniels and, and Belichick go elsewhere. I, all that to say, I don't know how much they're really prepping and, and, and want to win this game. I, I think it is a get-right game for the Ravens. I, I think it's mostly through the ground. Uh, and Andrews doesn't doesn't really get a, a lot of that benefit. I think Andrews scores this week. There's been a lot of talk this week about the Ravens' offense and their struggles, and a lot of talk about Lamar compared to Kyler. And um, I think the Ravens come out and make a statement on Sunday night, and they're going to do what they can to get their playmakers touchdowns. And Andrews is. Someone that they're going to need to do well for them uh, if they want to make a run here in the tough AFC. So I think they they pull out all the stops this week and they embarrass a New England team in New England on national television Sunday night. Who wins Mad Dogs versus Flock? I will take the Mad Dogs on the back of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Yeah, I got Mad Dogs this week and I don't think it's particularly close. Um... They can st- pretty much stamp their ticket to the, to the playoffs this week with a win. Um, pretty much stamp their ticket as far as a buy, first round bye as well. So in this one, I think they get it done. Um, love just about every matchup they have. So I think it's a big week for the Mad Dogs. This Mad Dogs team is really, really good. Um, and, and players we don't talk a whole lot about, like Antonio Gibson, are, are having awesome years uh, coming in at RB11. And they, He's just having quietly a, a, a really good year. Those receivers are top-notch. I think they get it done this week. All right, now it's time for the game of the week. This one's for first place in the Elway division. Um, I think even if Phil loses, there's a chance he can hold on to first place by the tie um, tiebreaker in points. But the curtain is hot on his heels in terms of uh, the point total as well. So no love lost in this matchup, obviously. It's been well documented. We'll start off with the Seawolves. What are some realistic expectations for Miles Sanders this week coming coming back from injury against the New York Giants? Uh, I think we're looking at a 10-carry performance. Um, I want to say maybe around 60 to 70 total yards. I don't think it's a big week for Sanders this week. I I think it's a half-decent week. Um, I I have him slated for around 13, 14 points, which is what which is what I hope to get out of that position. Um, I don't know. He's they, He could have gotten back before the bye if they really wanted to push him. I think he's healthier than a lot of people think, uh, and, and he'll do fine. Well, we've seen this movie before, I think, with Miles Sanders the last two years where he doesn't play and then he's questionable and the workload questions aren't really sure as to what to expect when he comes back. 
If they're willing to play him, he's going to touch the ball 20 times. That's that's my opinion on Miles Sanders. Um, and I think he's a good bet for 15-plus this week in this matchup for the Seawolves. Question for the Steel Curtain. We talked about how we feel about that Packers-Jaguars game. James Robinson, running back four for the Steel Curtain. My question is, will the Jaguars stay in the game this week to make James Robinson productive? Yes, I believe they will. Um, he's going to touch the ball enough either way. <laughs> he's obviously the focal point of their offense. Um, he's going to get his 20-plus touches, and I think he, he gets one in the end zone. like this game to be closer than you think. Um, I feel like the Packers aren't a great big favorite team. And I, I think that the Jaguars keep this one relatively close, and, and Robinson has another solid week. Um, give me about 17 points for Robinson. Yeah, I like that number a lot. Uh, I think the game script is going to be them playing deep from behind, and it, it's going to be close in the blowout territory, but he's going to touch the ball enough early. And the weakness of this Green Bay team is on the ground as we've seen time and time again, I think he's going to have a great week, probably fade in the third and fourth quarters, but, but still put up a first-half performance that, that, that gets him to double digits and, and rides the rest out and gets to that 17 number. Uh, last week was the first week in a while that James Robinson didn't do anything through the air. Um, Luton seemed to want to throw it downfield more, whereas Minshew was more to check down Charlie. So that'll be interesting to see, depending on how this game goes, um, if Robinson's utilized in the receiving game at all. That's going to, I think, be the big difference here. If he if he is, he has a nice week. If he's not, um, I think he struggles to get over 12 points. So I, <clears throat> I think Robinson probably checks in around 15 points. I think that's a pretty safe bet, though, for... The Jaguars running back. Um, there's just no one else there, and he should touch the ball enough to do that. We have not seen a team have a running back combination like Dalvin Cook and James Robinson since uh, the Todd Gurley Alvin Kamara days. So, Jesus. <laughs> who wins this enormous matchup between the Steel Curtain and Seawolves? I don't think it can be overstated enough how important this game is for both these teams. Yeah, <clears throat> clearly a big one. The Wolves had a big week one win against the Curtain, which is looming large right now. If they don't get it done this week. Um, I think that the Curtain are hot right now. And I just have some question marks on the, uh, the Wolves side of the ball right now. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sold on Mike Evans. Not sold on Hawkinson this week. Um, give me uh, the curtain. Go ahead, guys. Um, I this game tonight is going to be really important in deciding this matchup. Right now, Phil's got a six point two to two point six edge between Henry and Brown. Um, I think if it's able to stay close like this. I think that favors the curtain. I think uh, I think you're going to need a big week from Henry like we talked about before we went live here, Phil. I agree with everything that 
Shane said about having some questions on the Seawolves side of the ledger right now. But I have a few more questions for this week on the curtain side with Austin Hooper, Zach Moss, and David Montgomery. I think Dalvin Cook comes back down to earth this week in a game against the tough Chicago defense. Um, so I will take the Seawolves, but I think it's super, super close. I don't think this one is going to be all that high scoring. Um, I think the projections are a little bit high. This feels like a 110 to 100 game to me. And I I, I think I, I have a, a better team overall. Um, but when I look at this week with Ridley being on by, I just, I don't love it. And, and Josh Allen gets a, a just about the best matchup in the world that you can get uh, against Arizona. Dalvin Cook, you know, is he an elite RB1? Everybody has been saying that. He's had great four or five-week stretch here going up against a really good defense in Chicago. I, I don't know what to expect there. I was kind of hoping Henry and Cook would wash, but with Henry only getting six in the, in the first half, I, I have some concerns, and I thought my team only had a really good shot if Henry went off tonight and it doesn't look like he's doing it. Um, they've also been talking my team up the whole season. So I'm, I'm due to get rolled one of these weeks and, and, and maybe this is one of those. I think it's close, but the curtain have enough firepower to not only hang out, hang out and, and stay with my team, but I, I, I think they get the win this week. That would, uh, that would probably be best for the drama if the curtain's able to pull this one off and put you guys both at 7-3 and three with 3 to play. That would, that would definitely make for some exciting uh, weeks coming down the stretch. Um, giving you a two-game two game lead with 3 to play and having the tiebreaker um, would pretty much, I think, seal your fate as a first-round buy as well. So... Definitely going to be interesting to see the way this one shakes out. Um, and we won't know until Monday night because Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery on the curtain um, playing Monday night's game. So I think the Wolves will have a lead going into that game. Yeah, I, I think Allen and, and Wilson is going to be too much of a difference for me to overcome. I, I, I think Wilson's not going to have a great game against the Rams. Allen's... You can't get a better matchup, and that's what's going to decide it. All right, we got a minute 15 left, Shane. You getting excited? Getting pretty excited. <laughs> After the win last week, it's uh, it's getting to be that time of year. Pretty exciting. Uh, all these matchups are starting to be a little more meaningful. Um, things are going to start sorting themselves out here. bunch of four and five, five and four teams. Um, looks like we have two or three teams that are, that are pretty set and at least – expecting to make the playoffs and then we're, we're fighting for those last three spots so pretty exciting now a little disappointed we didn't touch on the election at all um that being said hats off to the nfl covid cases surging across the country nfl largely unaffected great job guys this is why i believe so much in this league <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't follow that up. It's a great way to end. I'm glad we didn't talk about the election. 
But that does it for Week 10 in the Sons of Fantasy Football League. We'll see where things shake out, and we'll talk to you guys next week to preview Week 11. Thanks, and good luck this week.